for nearly two decades. The award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Good Saturday to you. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and you can listen to the program. Really uh, excited here today to be talking to everybody. It's the 24-year anniversary of the Your Financial Editor program. We started the program back on November 11th, 1997 here at WFMD, and uh, we've been rolling along ever since and uh, just really want to enjoy the uh, the anniversary. We have uh, a, a good program planned for you. Uh, joining me in just a little bit, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, obviously the phenomenal God-gifted neurosurgeon and also served as the 17th United States Secretary of Housing and Urban Development from 2017 to 2021 uh, in the Trump administration. Uh, he was also a candidate for president for a while, um, but just a phenomenal person. He's got a, a great uh, new um, organization that he founded and that uh, he heads the American Cornerstone Institute, Faith, Liberty, Community, Life. So we're going to be talking with Dr. Carson uh, about some different things. One in particular is something that was created and that he uh, had a big role in was Opportunity Zones. And that was um, the opportunity for the private sector and the public sector to come together uh, where properties were identified in the inner cities and urban areas uh, that were just down and out and how they could be basically revived and add value to the community, to property values, to the quality of life for those people. We talked it, talked about it often here on the program and the success. It was a massive uh, success, these opportunity zones. So we're going to be talking about that. Obviously, that spins into our business and finance uh, piece of the show. But yeah, Dr. Ben Carson joining me in just a little bit uh, as we celebrate the 24-year anniversary of the Your Financial Editor program. So stay tuned for that. A big deal this week, McAfee, is actually being taken private by a group of investors in a deal that values the cybersecurity firm at more than $14 billion once you include the debt. So this is a consortium of investors, uh, including Advent International and Permia Advisors, and they're paying a twenty over a 22% uh, premium for McAfee's uh, closing price back on last Friday. So uh, McAfee already saw their shares up roughly uh, 53% as of Friday when the deal was announced. And a big run-up on Friday, last Friday, because of uh, they reported their third quarter earnings and revenue that exceeded Wall Street's expectations. So that's going to be fun to watch them take that company uh, private and do the things they need to do without the uh, burdensome oversight of the public markets, and then I'm sure bring it back uh, and take it public once again. Also, we saw this week General Electric announced that it's going to become three separate companies focusing on healthcare, 
aviation and energy. So according to uh, the CEO, Larry Culp, he said they're going to pursue a tax-free spinoff of GE Healthcare, creating a pure play company at the center of Precision Health is the way they put it. And then they'll combine GE Renewable Energy and GE Power and GE Digital into one business. So that's your second one. And then they're going to um, also uh, have the aviation side. So uh, Larry Culp will be the non-executive chairman of the healthcare company. He will continue to serve as chairman and CEO of GE, uh, the unit that the energy business is, once the energy business is spun off. Um, and then he's going to go lead the aviation company. So uh, really interesting things going on at General Electric. Um, they're going to also try to lower their debt by more than $75 billion by the end of this year. Um, so this is an ongoing transformation and the slimming down of General Electric, which just was driven into the ground by the former CEO, Jeff Immelt, who took over from the legendary Jack Welch. So Immelt drove GE into the ground. Like I said, he became a stooge to the Obama administration. And the icon, Jack Welch, uh, even said what a huge mistake he made by making Immelt his heir apparent uh, back in the day. So just uh, hope for good things to come for General Electric. Um, Obviously a phenomenal company that created uh, huge amounts of wealth for people in this country, massive job opportunities over the decades. So we'll see where uh, where they land once they spin off those three separate uh, companies. Well, what's everybody talking about? Inflation, right? And there was a ton of data out this week. Um, actually, we saw Americans' inflation fears continue to accelerate in October, climbing for the 12th consecutive month in a row to a record high, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York survey, which was published at the beginning of the week. So you that's the one report we got. And again, it didn't matter what we're looking at when we're talking about this inflation, folks. Food, rent, tuition, gasoline, electronics, furniture, automobiles, you name it. It's, it's across the board and everybody I mean, everybody is talking about this. And then we saw that uh, according to a poll, and again, you guys know I'm not a big poll person, but I'll share this one with you. Americans are growing increasingly pessimistic about the state of the U.S. economy because of this massive surge of inflation. So a new poll came out published by the Associated Press Center for Public Affairs Research, and uh, they found that a stunning 65% of Americans called the economy poor. So everybody's saying, oh, the economy's great, which, by the way, we told you um, a a while back that uh, things were okay in the third quarter, but they were really starting to slow at the end of the third quarter uh, going into this fourth quarter that we're in. But, yeah, and this isn't a, you know, a pure political play. You've got Democrats and Republicans that responded to the AP poll saying that, um, you know, this is a real, real problem. Um, and, and again, I think what we have to do is go back to a couple things in particular. Fuel, right? Gasoline. Everybody's feeling this pain at the pump. 
They're playing mind games where they're only putting in 10 bucks or they're only filling up half a tank or whatever it might be, just hoping and praying that it's going to uh, get less expensive down the road. That's not what, you know, people were talking about. We've got oil right now over 80 bucks a barrel, and many analysts are calling for um, an easy $100 uh, per barrel price, which is just scary. The other thing, when you look at, you know, how uh, we're talking about um, oil and, and 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 other types of energy, this is how insane everything has gotten. Like I said, all of us feel the pain at the pump, the grocery store, etc. That they're they're the easiest examples. And and that's because like you you literally feel yourself experiencing that cost at the pump and again the grocery aisle. Um, but getting back to energy for a moment, you this week you had a group of Senate Democrats who sent a letter to Biden urging him to ban U.S. crude oil exports. Um. So there was 11 Democrats in the Senate, including, of course, uh, Elizabeth Warren, telling Biden that uh, the choice of domestic leaseholders and uh, producers to continue export U.S. petroleum threatens to send already record prices even higher and called on him to ban crude oil exports. So you've got an administration and these uh, and other elected officials that like Warren that are saying they're trying to tell you how to, how to run your business. First, they're shutting you down. And then if you are able to, um, to function, you know, and remember when I say this, there are many different kinds of oil, many different grades. Some are easy to process. Some are extremely hard to process and can only do so much. But the bottom line is they're telling energy producers that they can't export their product. So the uh, petroleum economist at the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is saying that the proposal does absolutely nothing to alleviate higher prices or to make prices lower than in any sort of relative sense. So the key to this is allowing U.S. oil and gas producers to do what they do best, to simply get out of their way, let them go to work and run their businesses as they have successfully prior to this administration to make us energy independent. But in this letter, Democrats implored Biden to release oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve which every president does as it's just stupid. It doesn't impact it, I mean, you go back to Gore when he was running once Clinton was done. You might not remember, but I do. We had higher prices and it was hurting a little bit apparently in his um, in his uh, campaign. So he got Clinton to release, I think it was 30 million barrels or something. It didn't do anything to gas prices. And all these presidents do that. It's just uh, it's a it's a fake signal that, yeah, we care and we're going to impact uh, gas prices. It never does. It never brings them down. And by the way, strategic petroleum reserve is for a national crisis. 
So you don't want to just be throwing oil out. If in any, you know, if you look at some of the successful administrations, when uh, oil prices were low, they that's when they were buying, adding to the reserves. That's smart, right? Buy low. So anyway, um, they're asking him to do that, and here we go again. What else did they ask him to do? Ask OPEC to produce more oil. So here we go. Our transfer of wealth from the United States to OPEC and Russia and others after we got away from doing that. We had lower prices. We had a successful energy sector. All was good. We had uh, some power and leverage over OPEC, over Russia, and other non-OPEC producing countries. Not now. These senators put on paper, please ask OPEC to create more oil, which, by the way, we do it better than they do and and at at more efficiency. So if you really cared about the environment, you wouldn't be asking this question. And it's really moot because Biden already asked them, and they basically said no. And then the energy secretary, Granholm, she laughed about this kind of stuff. I'm telling you, you can't fix stupid. And, and that's exactly the type of situation that proves it right there. Also, we saw this week the U.S. Chamber of Commer- Commerce. This is the, the big chamber. They're part of the swamp as far as I'm concerned. I mean, I'm an independent business person, um, and I have been since 1995. Uh, but, you know, these local chambers are great. They're great. But this U.S. chamber, as far as I'm concerned, they're swamp material. But they even accuse the authors of the reconciliation bill of using gimmicks to cover up well over $1 trillion in spending. And they called on Congress to identify the bill's actual real-world impact. So, you know, you've already got this uh, infrastructure bill, which, by the way, is only 10 percent roughly is true infrastructure. Roads, bridges, water projects, airports, etc. The rest of it, it's word games and redefinition to hand out money uh, politically and, and on, on a power basis. So this is crazy. But anyway, the I give the... U.S. Chamber uh, credit because they're asking the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, um, to, you know, make sure that this is scored before uh, this bill is passed. So I think that was really good. I mean, we've been saying that for quite a while. So a lot of people have, but it was nice for uh, for them to get involved. And then I don't know if you saw this. This is the other thing that it's really crazy. Um Leaders at one of the largest investment firms in the world, you may have heard of State Street Global. This is a company that was founded in 1792. And um, they're basically saying that their uh, management team is going to have to ask permission to hire white men as it rolls out a diversity hiring initiative. So this follows BlackRock, Larry Fink, who's just a total um, follower, you know, and and wants to be involved in politics. Uh, But right now he's the CEO of BlackRock. But yeah, so according to the bank's head of inclusion, diversity, and corporate citizenship, this is now front and center for State Street. It's on every senior executive scorecard. 
So what does that mean? These managers have to demonstrate at their annual reviews what they've done to improve female representation and the number of colleagues from ethnic minority backgrounds. And if you don't, if you haven't hit a certain number of black, Asian, and other minority staff, females, um, if you don't meet that target, you're going to face a lower bonus. So obviously that's extortion, that's blackmail, um, but most importantly, it's hurts the customer, the investor, because the investor just wants the best person in the job. They're colorblind. They don't care if it's a man or a woman. Again, they just want State Street, BlackRock, all these other companies to make the right hiring decision, the real correct hire for whatever the position may be. You know, you want the best applicant with the most to offer, right? That's what we all want. I'm sure the founding fathers are spinning (laughs) in their grave. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be uh, looking at some economic data. And then Dr. Ben Carson, he's coming on. This is a 24-year anniversary of the uh, Your Financial Editor program, and uh, we're going to do it up big. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Got a three-day beard. I don't plan to shave. And it's a goofy thing, but I just got to say, hey, I'm doing all right. Yeah, I think I'll make me some homemade soup. I'm feeling pretty good, and that's the truth. It's neither drink nor drug in Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. Hey, we're having a big party here today. 24-year anniversary of the Your Financial Editor program started at uh, November the 11th, 1997. Good golly, our first little baby was just six months old. Phew, time flies, right? So, uh Finishing up some of this economic data, and then we're going to be talking with my guest, Dr. Ben Carson, obviously the God-gifted, renowned neurosurgeon, also ran for president in 2016, and thankfully was included in the last administration where he was the um, secretary for U.S. Housing and Urban Development. Uh, He was the 17th, I believe, and did some phenomenal work there uh, with things called Opportunity Zones uh, in the inner cities and urban areas. And we're going to be talking about that in uh, in just a little bit. Looking at the economic data uh, before Dr. Carson joins us, uh, we got two big pieces this week. Producer prices rose uh, in October year over year 8.6%. That's serious inflation. So let me just put it into perspective you know, when you look at the, the CPI, which, by the way, also came in this week um, hotter, the very next day it came in and showed that consumer prices um, were up much more than what was anticipated. They surged by 6.2 uh, percent over the year 
in October. Um, the Fed, they say they want inflation at two. So we know that's not true because if that was the case, they would have been uh, really ramping down or tapering the monthly $120 billion uh, more aggressively than what they just announced the other day. It's going to be reduced by just $15 billion. And also they'd be raising interest rates to get this inflation in line. And by the way, all of the money that has already been promised hasn't been spent yet. It's not even in the pipe. Well, it's in the pipeline. It's not been delivered. And now they're spending more, like the infrastructure bill. Uh, that's definitely not in the cards uh, as far as what it's going to do to inflation. And then um, they're talking about this other ridiculous um, uh, reconciliation bill. Anyway, both of those uh, were much, much hotter than anticipated, and the Fed's really doing nothing. It's hurting all of us. It's real time. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Obviously, if you're rich, you don't care it, that it costs more to fill up your uh, your tank or – If you are rich, you do care because that's how you got rich, by making good decisions and understanding economics 101 and realizing when changes have to be made. So I guess it just depends. I always like to revert to my heart goes out to people that don't make much money, those on fixed income, um, the single moms out there. You know, this is to the point now with energy and food alone. Forget all the rest of it, the rent going up and the automobiles going up, et cetera. This is getting so real that people who were on the bubble are now making that choice. Do I fill my vehicle to get to work or turn on the uh, heat at the house because it was cold or do I eat? Real life hard decisions are being made. That's on the, you know, on, on the consumer side On the business side, we saw the Small Business Optimism Index from the National Federation of Independent Business came out this week. Same thing. Optimism dropped. Small business owners don't know what's going to happen, how they're going to be impacted by all these crazy policies. They're already struggling after the virus. So it's just it's it's showing up in these uh, these surveys. It's getting worse for them. Home builders, I heard from a couple. I didn't hear from them. I was reading the text of uh, some of their um, comments that headwinds from higher lumber prices are expected to persist into the end of the year before they taper off a little bit. But they're still worried about other um, materials that are going to continue to go up. So you're looking at higher prices for uh, for houses. We saw this week that 267,000 people filed for first time unemployment claims last week. You know, that's like 25, 26% higher still than before the virus came. So like I was telling people, I'm not getting my pom-poms out. You're not going to lower my expectations and act like it's a big deal for um, – for that it's only 267,000 people filing for initial jobless claims, plus the number receiving ongoing benefits went up by 59,000. That's the wrong direction. So one thing we saw this week, Chairman Powell at the Federal Reserve admitted is something that we've talked about a lot, that inflation is hurting ladies more than men because, especially if they have children, because of the virus and the shutdowns, They didn't have daycare. 
The schools wouldn't reopen. So moms had to make those really difficult choices. Do I go to work or do I stay home and take care of my children? So that was a no-brainer, but it was nice to hear him come out and admit that and talk about it. And on top of all of this, like I said, inflation, depending on what survey you're looking at, but it's just going crazy. Um, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, and all of her wisdom said that she's not going to allow inflation to reach the 1970s level. Well, isn't that good? So, I mean, she's not even looking at what inflation is right now. She's like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. We're not going to let it get to where it was with Jimmy Carter. Unbelievable. That was obviously double digit. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be uh, joined by Dr. Ben Carson. And we're going to be talking about all kinds of good stuff as we celebrate the 24-year anniversary of the Your Financial Editor program. So uh, stay tuned. Buckle up. Got good stuff coming your way. It's Your Financial Editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And, of course, as a podcast at Apple Podcast. And uh, we really appreciate everybody being with us this week. Uh, big, big stuff for us. 24-year anniversary of the program. Started back on November 11th, uh, 1997, when our uh, first child was just six months old. So, obviously, time has uh, really passed us by. But... Um, appreciate you guys. You've made it successful over the years. Uh, we've won awards and been blessed in many ways, and it's all because of uh, your involvement and also because we get uh, really, really special um, people as take time out of their schedule uh, to join us and inform us and educate us about very important issues. And on this 24-year anniversary, we're just thrilled to have uh, Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, of course, you know, Dr. Carson is uh, world-renowned as a uh, neurosurgeon. Um, he ran for president in 2016. He did a phenomenal job as the, I think, the 17th uh, U.S. Housing and Urban Development Secretary. And we're going to talk about a few different things this morning. We're going to talk about the virus because of his medical expertise. We're going to talk about some great things that he's doing now that he's, uh, he, you know, he got out of politics um, as the secretary. And then also we're going to talk about opportunity zones. It's, this is a phenomenal concept that just uh, really caught fire and just the importance of that. Good morning, Dr. Carson. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing fine, and and congratulations on 24 years. That means that you're obviously providing something important. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, again, like I mentioned, it's uh, guests like you who make the show uh, successful. So thank you uh, for for taking time. So if you don't mind, um, you know, you uh, are uh, uh, you have the medical background, neurosurgeon. You've done phenomenal things. We could talk for days just about that. I have a friend who you did surgery on um, a little girl that he adopted from China, and it was life-saving. And he told me how 
not only just how blessed he was to have you in their lives to do that, but how humble you were in talking with the other siblings. Um, so thank you for all of that. Um, you know, that's just one example. We, we really appreciate your work there in the medical field. Yes, sir. So um, where do you think we are with the virus right now? A lot of people are concerned about that. What's your take on it? Well, obviously, uh, we have an incredible medical system here in the United States. The fact that we were able through Operation Warp Speed to come up with an effective virus in such a short period of time is nothing short of miraculous. Having said that, you know, millions of lives were saved, but now we've moved probably beyond science and into politics, and that's a real problem. Um, you know, the virus itself is largely under control. The number of new cases, the number of deaths is much smaller uh, than it was at the height of this uh, pandemic, uh, which means we've made a lot of progress. A lot of people have been immunized. Uh, you know, they wanted to reach 70 percent to beyond 70 percent. And, you know, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people uh, who have natural immunity, probably millions of people who have natural immunity. And um, we know uh, that natural immunity is effective and that it lasts for a long time. And that it affects more than one component of the immune system, which is a good thing. Um, and yet we have a CDC the government that just doesn't even want to recognize natural immunity, something that we've known about for decades and have relied upon uh, because it doesn't fit into uh, the narrative that everybody has to have the vaccine. And, of course, it's not true. And also there have been a number of uh, other things that have proven effective, they're effective in other parts of the world. Why wouldn't they be effective here? Uh, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, seratavir, um, and there's uh, new new drugs coming out by Pfizer and uh, Merck, which have enormous promise. And no one who's taken them have died uh, of COVID. So, you know, we need to, to take this out of the political arena and just start talking common sense. And common sense tells you you've, you've, you've reached your number uh, that you wanted to reach for herd immunity. You have a lot of people who have natural immunity. So, like some of the other countries in the world, let's start recognizing that. You know, Israel recognizes it. The EU even recognizes it. Great Britain recognizes the importance of natural immunity and have altered, uh, you know, their requirements to take that into account. Uh, we just seem to have a my way or the highway attitude, which is really antithetical to the way that we've practiced uh, in the past. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And the other thing is that, you know, and I saw you on a, a television interview um, I guess it was a week or so ago, and I'm sure you said it many times, you know, now this whole push for the 5 to 11-year-olds uh, having to get the vaccination, uh, and yet the mortality rate for that is like 0. .002, if I remember correctly. Yeah, point point zero two five, 
which is about the same as the mortality rate associated with seasonal flu. So we haven't uh, gone through all these measures for seasonal flu in all these years. Why would we start doing that now? And we don't know what the long-term effects are of an mRNA-produced uh, vaccine. Uh, we don't know if that may have some autoimmune consequences. We just don't know because there hasn't been enough time. So why would we go so far as to subject a healthy young person who has almost no chance of having a problem uh, with the COVID virus, why would we subject them to long-term uncertainty and risk? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, I couldn't agree with you more, and I appreciate you, you know, telling that story for uh, for people. So uh, give us a, an update. Um, obviously, you've uh, retired as a, a neurosurgeon, and now you have um, the administration, you know, the last administration. That's in your rearview mirror. Tell us about uh, the different things you have, like Dr. Ben and Miss Candy Carson and also the American Cornerstone Institute. Well... You know, I was thinking that maybe I could retire uh, <laughs> after the election last year and uh, finally go play golf and enjoy life. But, you know, I recognized within a few weeks of the election the direction that we were going in as a country was probably not going to be one that would afford the next generations the same opportunities that we had unless we got involved. So uh, a number of uh, the superstars that had uh, joined me in uh, creating a new think tank slash do tank called the American Cornerstone Institute, which basically looks at four cornerstone principles that were so important in our evolution from a bunch of ragtag militiamen to the pinnacle power in the world. And uh, those four cornerstones are faith, uh, our Judeo-Christian values, which teach us to love your neighbor, not hate your neighbor, not cancel your neighbor. Those are evil things that have come into our society. And then the cornerstone of liberty. This was the beacon of liberty for the world, a place that everybody wanted to come so they could live their lives as they wanted to live them without the heavy foot of government on their neck telling them what they could do and when they could do it and where they could go and why and, you know, all the things that socialism and communism impose with the promise that the government will take care of you. So you give them all power and they take care of you. The only problem is it never seems to work. And um, then the concept of community. One of the reasons that we were able to flourish and grow as a nation is because we had all of these small communities all over the country, people with different skills and talents, and how they were able to work together and to create prosperous communities that expanded and coalesced. And then the, the, the last pillar, uh, cornerstone, is life from the womb to the tomb, as we've grown more distant in our respect for life, we've grown more callous toward each other also. 
And it's so important for the American people to recognize that we are not each other's enemies. And we cannot let those entities that want to convince us that we're enemies to succeed by driving wedges wherever they can, race, age, income, religion, political affiliation, sex, you name it, driving wedges, trying to create chaos. Because the only way that they can fundamentally change America is to get most of the people to think that it needs to be fundamentally changed uh, and that we're evil uh, and that uh, everybody needs to be involved in, in helping to turn us into something else. What a bunch of garbage. You know, if we were such a, a bad place, why would people be forming caravans trying to get in here? Right. Uh, why are so many people from all over the world going down to our southern border and flooding into our country? Uh, obviously, uh, it is not an evil place. It is a place of enormous opportunity. And uh, one of the things that we do at ACI is help people to recognize that. And if people go to the website, American Cornerstone Institute, uh, org, and uh, you'll see a number of conversations that are had with uh, uh, experts in lots of different areas. Uh, you'll see a lot of television and media appearances. Uh, op-eds and ways to get involved and then of course we've recently started uh, as part of it the Little Patriots program which really focuses on our children uh, you know our children are our most precious resource and uh, you know they're being indoctrinated it was uh, Nikita Khrushchev in the late 50s said to President Eisenhower your grandchildren's children will live under communism, and we won't have to fire one shot. Yeah, he know? He knew that all you had to do is gain control of the educational system so you could indoctrinate the kids, gain control of the media so you could spoon-feed the population only what you wanted them to hear and exclude the other, uh, replace faith in God with faith in government, and raise the national debt to astronomical levels so that you could justify uh, massive taxation, redistribution of wealth, and total dependence on the government. And those are all the things that are happening right now. And we're fighting those and starting, you know, with the children, with the online program of education from K through 5 uh, that tells the real story of America, warts and all, uh, in a very entertaining, interactive way. you got Liberty Eagle guiding them through uh, the various lessons. And uh, I would say it's very good for adults, too. Uh, really get the basics of, of who we are and where we came from. We have our first children's book uh, that is being released next week called Why America Matters. And uh, really helps give you kids a very positive view and again um, we have things like the eagle in there and talk about the fact that the eagle has two wings a right wing and a left wing it can't fly with two right wings it can't fly with two left wings but when they work together what a magnificent creature 
pleasure you have. Excellent. Boy, well, that's a great tie-in and, and one that uh, obviously the children can can understand and, and relate to. It makes sense for them. Um, and again, folks, go to AmericanCornerstone.org. There's a real nice video on the uh, homepage uh, about uh, Dr. Carson uh, launching the Little Patriots program and what it's about. So I encourage you to go to um, AmericanCornerstoneInstitute.org. We're going to squeeze a quick commercial break in here, and then when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with uh, with my guest, um, uh, Dr. Ben Carson, and uh, we're going to talk. We'll have a few minutes left. We're going to talk about those opportunity zones that he was instrumental in um, in being part of. Uh, and you know, it's 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 just been a phenomenal thing for sure. So we're going to talk about that. And um, I hope you stay tuned and you're able to uh, uh, to you know to continue to to listen. Uh, But again, we're going to take a quick break back on the other side. Stay tuned. Would you like to join our team? We're looking for fun. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can uh, find the Your Financial Editor program uh, right there. We're wrapping up our conversation with our guest this morning, Dr. Ben Carson, uh, and uh, he's been kind enough to join us on our 24-year anniversary. Don't forget that's going on today, too. And, um, you know, uh, Dr. Carson, I mentioned the Opportunity Zones. We've talked a, a lot about them over the years here on the program and their massive success. Uh, give our listeners uh, this last four minutes that we have just an overview of uh, what you were able to accomplish. Well, it's a very important program. Uh, let, let me just mention before I start with that, uh, littlepatriotslearning.com is the website for the learning program, which is free of charge because we have underwriters. Now, you know, as far as the Opportunity Zones, is part of the uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of uh, 2017, and it made it possible for people to invest in areas that were designated uh, as uh, lack of opportunity areas. And if you invested in those areas for five years, you got a 10% decrement in the capital gains that you owed on that invested capital. If you left it in for seven years, you got 15%. If you left it in for 10 years, you didn't have to pay any capital gains on the new money that was realized as a result of that. And it was felt that that would probably attract about $100 billion of uh, fresh uh, private investment in 10 years. In fact, it attracted $75 billion in just two years before COVID hit. Uh, projected to lift a million people uh, out of poverty, 500,000 new jobs. And, uh, you know, uh, there was a lot of criticism in the beginning. People said, this is just a mechanism for rich people to get rich. Well, newsflash, rich people are going to get rich anyway. Uh, They're going to invest their money somewhere. So if you can incentivize them to invest it in the areas that are economically neglected, what a tremendous thing that is. And it obviously got a lot of traction, a lot of new places were built 
a lot of job opportunities and learning opportunities were presented. And, you know, this is, I think, the kind of thing that government should be doing, you know, helping to facilitate what the private sector does rather than coming in and saying, my way or the highway, this has to be done. Um, you know, you look at things like energy that's going on, and there are some people say we only need to deal with green energy, renewable energy. But we had the we had become energy independent. We were a net exporter of energy. We had the cleanest air and water in history. And uh, if if we were smart, we would say that's great, and let's continue that while we work on green renewable energy. And let's substitute things as they become available, rather than wreaking havoc, particularly up on, you know, transportation industry and people who don't have a lot of money. Now they're paying enormous amounts of money for their fuel and for all the things that are associated with transportation. That makes absolutely no sense. I I couldn't agree with you more. And the one thing that we always point out is it hurts people that can't handle the hurt. It hurts people that um, are poor. It hurts people that are on fixed income. It hurts the single moms out there. And literally, we were talking at the beginning of the program, people are literally starting to have to make decisions because of inflation. Do I eat or do I fill my vehicle up to go to work or turn my heat on because winter's coming? So it's just, it's really tragic. But I'll tell you, Again, and I couldn't agree with you more about, you know, uh, what we should be doing with energy. We talk about that often and, and just the common sense of it uh, and the opportunity zones, like you said, unbelievable, 100 uh, billion over uh, 10 years. And, you know, you were three quarters of the way there already in just two. So congratulations on all that you were able to do in that area and all the other areas Um uh, that you helped us with when you were uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And and I, I hope uh, at some point people uh, understand that the government works for the people. Uh, the people are not the subject of the government. Yep, yep. Amen to that. I couldn't agree with you more. Again, folks, you can go to uh, AmericanCornerstoneInstitute.org and learn about uh, what the Institute is doing, uh, focusing on faith, liberty, community, life, uh, launching the Little Patriots program, uh, all kinds of good stuff. You can go there and learn. Dr. Carson, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on our 24th anniversary. And again, yes, sir. Thank you for everything you've done. Always a pleasure. Thank you for being a voice of reason. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. You have a good rest of the weekend. And uh, folks, thanks so much for uh, being with us over the 24-year period. We appreciate it. Uh, You get all the credit because you tune in um, and learn and you're educated and you're informed. Um, You know, you're not a mushroom kept in the dark under, you know, what. So um, that's what makes uh, us different, makes, you know, America uh, what we need to be. So uh, thank you so much for that, uh, being part of the program. And we'll, you know, talk with you on the Morning News Express. Nothing changes right now. We continue to roll along. Uh, Talk with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick at 550, 650, 750 on um, uh, weekday mornings. Those are live conversations with the guys. And then we'll be back here 
uh, next Saturday for another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. Uh, Again, thanks for the 24-year ride so far, and we're going to keep pushing. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. editions of this program are available in the audio vault at wfmd.com news radio 930 wfmd frederick a connoisseur media radio station seven o'clock